Let us pray together. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this day that we have the privilege of gathering in your name. Lord, we ask that you come and reveal yourself to us in this time. Lord, um, if it is not for your spirit, none of this happens. It is uh, just singing and sitting. But when your spirit shows up and when you do the things that only you can do, it is then that lives are transformed. And so, Lord, we ask that you chisel out our ears, soften our hearts, and use this time for your glory. Let there be less of me so there can be more of you. It's in your holy name we pray. Amen. So here we are in this um, unusual week uh, that we are experiencing together. And we have all that is happening to us and we're feeling. And then we have this idle talk, this sermon series that I've been reflecting on during this time. And as these lines have come together, um, I've continued to come back to kind of the starting place for idols, which would be in the book of Genesis, when the man and the woman are in the garden and they have the serpent and they make that first decision. And so I want to read that to you really quickly from Genesis chapter three. Now, the serpent was more crafty than any other wild animal that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God say you shall not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said, you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the middle of the garden, nor shall you touch it, or you shall die. But the serpent said to the woman, you will not die. For God knows that if you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. And he also gave some of her husband who was with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made loincloths for themselves. The thought that has been just coming upon me this week is that when, when the man and the woman went and they grabbed the fruit from the tree and they ate it, the idol was themselves, right? They wanted to be God. It was going from looking eyes up, fixed on the living God, to looking inside themselves saying, I want to be in control. I want to be in charge. And grabbing the fruit and making themselves be in charge. And the thing that has just impressed upon me is this, they wanted to know the difference between good and evil. They wanted to be able to judge and to weigh and to figure out the way the world is, to be in control the way God is in control. And boy, did they get more than they bargained for with that decision. Because I don't know about you, but for me, and I would assume we're in similar places, it is really hard to navigate through this world this last week. What's right, what's wrong? What decision should we make? What should we stop doing? What should we keep doing? And I think about this text and go, man, we got more than we wanted. When we said, we want to be in control. We want to be in charge. Took the bite of that fruit. And it's put us, because we're these small, finite beings and trying to be God with this knowledge of good and evil, trying to navigate through. And so, you know, me as dad, trying to figure out what's right for my kids, me as pastor, trying to lead this congregation, me as friend, loving the people and having all this information. And I can swing from being 
utterly sure that we're doing the right thing to then five minutes later be totally unsure of which direction that we should be going. And I'm thinking, thanks a lot, man or woman, for eating that fruit. Now, and I know that and while I think that, you also go, yeah, but if it was me there, I would have done the same thing. Because what do we do? We want to worship things other than God. And we fix our eyes on the wrong things. And so this feeling, this feeling of chaos, this feeling of uncontrol, this feeling of not knowing what's good and what's evil, trying to make these decisions, is not a new feeling. This is something that we've brought into the world and have been experiencing from the beginning when we tried to be God. So this feeling has lasted with us. And what do we do with this feeling? What do we do with this thing? The sense of out of controlness, the sense of not knowing which direction is right, trying to weigh good and evil. What do we do with it? Well, I found myself turning repeatedly to Jesus and, and really specifically turning to him in the garden looking at the cross. Because I think he felt there like I feel now. I'm not sure what the next 24 hours holds. I'm not sure what the next 72 hours holds, right, for Christ. I don't know if I want to go in the next 24 hours. And in that garden, I have an example, and not just an example, but a partner in the confusion that I'm feeling. So I can pray to a God who doesn't just look at me and go, yeah, that's a tough place to be, Scott, but looks at me and goes, I've been there. I know what it is to be trapped in that human flesh and bound up with a limited vision, only looking so far and trying to navigate all of the big feelings and decisions and all of that. And Christ goes, I've been there. And then... Christ can say, and I can look at him, and we know where he went. He did not let the confusion or the fear control the decision, but walked towards the cross. And walked towards the cross in love for you and for me, because he knows what it's like to be where we are right now, and he doesn't want us to stay here. But by going to the cross and resurrecting from the tomb, he sent down the Holy Spirit so that we can have a renewed relationship with the living God. So that this thing that was destroyed in the garden can be restored by the living God. And we have the privilege of being filled up with his spirit. So so in John, he says, it's good that I go away so that I can send my spirit down so everyone can have this access that I have to the Father. Okay, and the word he uses for spirit there is this really confusing word in Greek. It's the word called paraclete. And in fact, it's so confusing that when the King James Version translated the Greek to English, they refused to translate it. They just left it paraclete. Because they wanted us to have to struggle through the word. And the reason it's hard is this. The word para puts um, an object in relation to something else, but it puts it in three places. It either puts it in front of the person, to the side of the person, or behind the person. Okay? So this paraclete is either the one who's in front of us, to the side of us, or behind us. 
And the word we use to translate that automatically takes away two of the other words. Right? So if God's, if the Holy Spirit, the paraclete, if he's in front of us, he's our advocate. He's our guide. Right? He's the one leading the way. If he's to the side of us, he's our counselor. He's our friend, the one um, looking to, encouraging, that we can kind of pray through and think through. If he's behind us, he's our comforter. He's our holder. And so what they didn't want to do, and praise the Lord they didn't, they didn't want to take away one of those meanings by just saying, he's our guide, he's our advocate. What they wanted to say was, he's our paraclete. He's the one who's in front of us, guiding us. He's the one to the side of us, being with us, able to pray to. He's the one behind us, comforting us. That's where God is. And because Christ did this, because he went through the confusion, knowing the cross and the resurrection, he went then for us so that we can have this renewed relationship with the Holy Spirit and the paraclete. And why did Jesus go there? Why did he go to the cross? Because he knew the end of the story. So, so on this way to the cross and, and walking with Jesus to the confusion, what led him there? I think it's something like the book of Revelation. Book of Revelation is a book written to Christians as they're being persecuted in a time of great persecution. It's written as a book of hope for them to tell them in the midst of this persecution, I'm going to conquer. And so it ends like this. See, I am coming soon. My reward is with me to repay according to everyone's work. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes so that they will have the right to the tree of life and they enter the city by their gates. God is the beginning and the end. He is the hope. He is the future. The end of the story has already been written and we are with him because of Christ's death and resurrection. He knows us in the midst of confusion because of him being incarnated in flesh. And he's present with us today, helping lead us and guide us and comfort us in a season of confusion and misunderstanding. And so then we have this privilege of going, okay, I have the Holy Spirit, I have the paraclete. I have the one who is the beginning and the end. The one who bookends the whole story has me in there. And so, so the author says the last prayer um, in the whole scriptures is the most simple prayer, but the prayer that we should pray all the time is this. The one who testifies to these things says, surely I'm coming soon. And what does the author respond? Amen. Come Lord Jesus. Most simple prayer. But wow. Don't we need him to come right now? Come Lord Jesus. Come into this. Come into this confusion. Come into this mess. Come. Change everything. And so once we can wrap our brain around that, I mean, try. We then have the privilege of being strange people because now we don't have to be dominated by fear and confusion. But instead, we can be thoughtful and faithful in our love for our neighbor and our community. And so we then because we know the living God who understands us in our confusion, have the Holy Spirit in front of us, to the side of us and behind us, in relationship with God the Father who is the beginning and the end, we can say, Lord, 
How now do I love my neighbor? What is that? Let it not be about me, but about serving my community. Because I know who and where I am. And then we can pray for those things. And I've been I've been loving hearing from some of you and um, the ideas that we've had. You know, uh, Stylin's text message saying, "Hey, what if the young, healthy people go and run errands for those who are um, not able to get out, so they don't have to be around the crowds?" What a creative idea! What if what if we start using the church as a hub for those who have hoarded to be willing to say, "Hey, we have someone who is in need." Can you give up some of yours and we'll be the connection to get that to that person that's in need? What about, I'm just driving in today as I was driving, listening to NPR and um, talking about blood shortages. What is it to open up this facility to let the Red Cross come on? What is it to struggle with keeping the preschool open because there are people who both need childcare and they need to be out there working? Where do their kids go? How can we now start to have a new vision so that this can be a time for Christians to be these strange, peculiar people loving in the midst of confusion and chaos? So um, I want to tell you a story when I was in the midst of this, just very personally. Um, about So Emily and I got married 10 years ago, and this before we got married, it was a season of my life. It was at First Press in Orange. I was working there, and I knew that it was time to change. And so we were, I was going on a trip with Steve Ernst, some of you know him, um, to go to the LCMC Leadership Conference. And we were going to go, and I was going to start looking for a job, talking to people. The LCMC is all about networking and knowing people. And I was leaving on a Saturday morning. And Wednesday morning, I woke up, and I was utterly convinced that the plane was going to crash on Saturday. I knew it. And so I, I was basically going on this trip saying, I'm dead. Right? That's what I knew this was. And um, where I was living at the time in the city of Orange, the John Wayne Airport, they kind of loop over, the planes would loop over our house and then come right down the 55 and land on the, freeway, on the um, runway there. And I remember every morning, for Wednesday through Saturday, I would stand in front of the house and look up and go, this is amazing that these planes don't, aren't just falling from the sky every time. I mean, I'm, and I cannot convey to you the words that describe my emotional state of being crushed with fear. I'm not sleeping. I'm not eating. I'm um, taking online safe flying courses so that I can learn everything. I still know more about flying than most people do because I was just jamming information into my brain. And that's where Scott goes when he gets nervous. Learn, 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 learn. Friday night comes. Um, I'm engaged to Emily. I'm going to get a new job. I, there's all sorts of reasons now looking back. I, I know, um, no. I, I slightly understand why this all kind of pinpoints on this airplane flight. But I'm, I'm sitting Friday night, not sleeping, and I'm sure tomorrow I'm dead. Right? This is, that's how tomorrow goes. And I start writing. And I don't like writing because I don't like my handwriting. I don't like my hand. It doesn't work well. It hurts. It's just not, handwriting's never been my thing. But I'm just writing. I'm writing, writing, writing. Two, three, four in the morning. Sometime then, and this is as close as I've ever come to having the voice of God. I've never, I have not been in a place where I, I've heard the voice of God. But as close as I've ever come was sometime then, 
I get this, this question in front of me. And the question is simply, are you going to be a man of faith or a man of fear? And that's where it left. And I'm sitting with that question. And I think, okay. I, I know in my head what I'm doing is safe, but it's not translating down to who I am. And so I had to make a choice then to be a man of faith or fear. So I went on that trip. And I'm, and I'm not telling you that all my fear went away. I'm telling you that my fear became something I could see. And I could choose whether to act in it or move around it. It was still there. But it wasn't crushing me anymore. It wasn't becoming who I was. And ever since then, that, that question has kind of dominated the way I try to act in moments like this. There are real things to be aware of. And we need to be aware of them. But we do not need to see them through a spirit of fear. That is never helpful. Nor is it the way of Christ. And so we have the privilege then to make decisions from a position of faith in the God who knows me, who knows what it's like to be crushed by fear, who has sent down his Holy Spirit to walk with me, who has given himself and has the Father who is the beginning and the end, the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last. And so then I sit in that place. And as with all of you, there's a lot I don't know. There's a lot of decisions that we're going to be making for the next month together. But let us be found as a people making them from a position of faith. Not letting fear be the dominating of motion that we're feeling. Allowing it to be there, because it's allowed to be there. You're not going to get rid of it. But allowing it to be something that you're allowed to move around. See. And operating in. Why? Because we have a living God who's present here now. We have a living God who, who has um, calmed the waves of the storm and the disciples were amazed. We have a living God who, who could very well just decide to take away this virus. We don't know. I do not think that we as Christians are immune people. I do not think that we are need to be walking around doing dumb things. But I think we can do things without fear. Because we have a living God who's in the midst of it. And so what I want to do right now is one of the most powerful things that we can do is pray and, and sing and just be the church right now. And so we're going to pray and I'm going to we're just going to have kind of open prayer time. And I am going to call out things that I want to pray for. I want you to call out things that you want to pray for. You don't have to say lawn prayers, but especially right now thinking of people groups. Who, uh, who's who been on your heart and your mind right now? We need to pray for. These are the people groups that are on mine that I'll call out. The, the children who, the fact that they're not going to school, they don't feel safe at their home. And the place they felt safe was with their teachers and their coaches and they don't feel safe at home, but now they're there. The children who don't know how to eat because breakfast and lunch are usually provided by the schools. The actual, the sick, 
and the hurting, the vulnerable. Those who have to serve the vulnerable, so putting themselves at risk, especially the at-risk groups who are called to serve the at-risk groups. Leaders of all the types, nations, communities, churches, Christians who are called to be different, homeless. These are the people I'm thinking of. These are the people I'm praying for. So let's pray right now. Um, and as I said, I'll open up space. You can fill it with names of people, names of people groups, however you want. But let's lift our voices to the living God. Heavenly Father, we come before you right now and we are asking for, for your Holy Spirit to rain down. Lord, the first place we're going to start is, Lord, if it is in your will to miraculously remove this virus from the earth, let it be so and let it be now. And we pray that in the name of Jesus Christ because we believe that you can take away illness as you raise the dead in Lazarus, as you heal the lepers, you can do that. Lord, in the midst of this chaos and confusion, we ask for wisdom for national leaders, for local leaders, for church leaders, for school leaders, for all of the people who whose decisions impact more than themselves, be with them. Lord, we take this time to pray for the children impacted by having their schools shut down, for the psychological um, effects that will have, for those who don't feel safe at home, for those who are hungry at home. Figure out ways to get food and safety. Let us, your church, be there. Lord, just echo and stand the, the loneliness right now. Lord, I think we already live in a lonely culture. Help us to figure out ways to bring relationship, kindness, smiles, peace, kind words, uh, fun songs, uh, just whatever it be to, to battle against that loneliness. Lord, thinking about people who we love, thinking about Betsy's mom, thinking about Dorothea, um, thinking about people who are already um, in the hospital and uh, in different places, that you will um, let them have peace and security, have wise doctors. And Lord, we do take this time to pray for all the healthcare workers, for their families and their children that need to be cared for, for them going out and doing the work. Uh, protect them, give them wisdom and the resources that they need. Lord, I pray for this strange group of people called Christians who do unusual things in the face of battles and um, confusion and chaos. I pray that you let us be wise. You let us make a, a wise witness. That you um, use your, your leaders, your churches in ways that we would never have created or imagined until now. So Lord, uh, I don't know what that looks like. And, and uh, we, we all here are trying, but give us a spirit of creativity to love our neighbor to be compassionate, to be caring, to, to do things, whether it be sometimes um, calling off worship or to keep worshiping, Lord. But give us the ability to just rely totally on you for those things and let this spirit of creativity just overwhelm us in how to be um, serving and loving for our neighbor. Lord, I'm grateful for this church. I'm grateful for being a part of this community, um, for, for being one voice amidst a wonderful chorus of saints 
Lord, as we as we sing, as um, we get to experience Patrick dancing, as we as we get to experience the freedom that comes in being in love with you and you having us love us, as Faye reminded us, what a glorious piece of music, um, that we get to, to just never forget that we are wrapped up. Never let us forget our baptisms, as we talked about in our book, The Liturgy of the Ordinary, that we are your people and we are chosen. And every time that water hits our skin, that we did it to once again be reminded of who we are and whom we are. So Lord, you just take over this time. Uh, help us to, to do things that we can't even imagine today, but do so without the spirit of fear. I pray that it dies inside of each one of us and that we can let go and go out and be light to this community. We pray these things in the powerful name of our risen Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.